You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. We will continue on a remorseless mission to squeeze Russia from the global economy piece by piece, day by day, and week by week. One thing, of course, we could also do is to make an open and unconditional offer to Ukrainian refugees to house in the United Kingdom. We haven't seen all of what Putin's going to do at the moment. We do not know what his end goal is. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. Good afternoon, I'm Stephen Carroll. Today's programme a little different than usual. That's as voters in Tiverton and Honiton and Wakefield go to the polls today in two by-elections. So that means for a change, we'll be bringing you some of our best interviews of the week from outside the world of politics. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Bloomberg's exclusive conversation with Elon Musk. And we'll be discussing the UK trial of the four-day working week. Meanwhile, it's the second day of major strike action this week on Britain's railways. Some 40,000 workers are walking off the job in a dispute over pay and conditions. The RMT union is pressing for higher pay and a commitment to no compulsory redundancies. But talks on Wednesday didn't find an agreement with the UK's 13 train operating companies, companies and government-owned track and stations operator Network Rail. So as a result, just one in five trains are running around Britain today with services that are starting later and finishing earlier. Special arrangements have been put in place to cater for those heading to the Glastonbury Festival. While the 20th century created the five-day working week as we know it, is the 21st century going to see us working fewer days, especially after the pandemic? While the UK is conducting the biggest experiment yet of a four-day working week, thousands of workers from 70 companies are taking part in a six-month trial which starts this month. There are also pilot schemes taking place in Ireland, the United States, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. Earlier, Caroline Hepcarn and I spoke to the woman spearheading the project, Charlotte Lockhart, Managing Director and Founder of four-day week global. The goal is to reduce work time, um, <laughs> but but not without a focus on productivity and without um, and, and certainly not uh, including reducing pay. Okay, why does a four-day work week help business? So what we teach our businesses when we take them through the pilot program is focus in on what is your productive outcome that you truly need. Be clear about that and communicate it well. Agree it with your people. And so therefore what we're looking to do is keep your business as productive but allow your people to go home. Now it's a, it, it is about well-being but it's also recognising that the business needs to remain productive. How are you hoping to measure, what data are you hoping to produce then from trials to be able to prove that case? So on the productivity side of things, we allow businesses to choose the measures that best suit them. Uh, we, you know, you're, you're going to improve something that, that you're measuring 
in a way that suits you. Uh, but there are standard productivity measures that we also include in there. So we have a research project that uh, the framework is designed out of Boston College by Dr. Juliet Shaw, uh, and it is here in the UK being activated by um, Cambridge University. We also have Oxford University looking at elements of it for us, uh, and in our Canadian and US pilot, uh, second of which is happening later in the year, um, that has run out of Boston College. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the trial here in the UK is between June and November, as you say, there yes. are pilot schemes in other parts of the world. What has been the feedback that you've had so far? I mean, is it working? Post-pandemic, we've seen the great resignation. Now this big experiment with the four-day work week. What are companies and individuals telling you? Well, so interestingly, the UK is a market where there are thousands of companies doing this already. Uh, there's been high uptake uh, for it. And even in our pilot program, uh, we did have 3,300, but one of our companies has decided to put another 5,000 employees onto oh. the program. So after going through the scoping of it, they've decided that it's quite possible for them to add more of their employees in. So this is what companies are finding. And what um, we expect the research to show us is that this is the best team building exercise that you will ever do and m most business owners one of the things they say is they say two things one is it's easier than you think and it's the best thing they've ever done that was charlotte lockhart managing director and founder of four day week global speaking to us on bloomberg radio earlier now, if you're involved in Westminster politics, you'll know how the bubble thrives on Twitter drama. So now let's turn to the person who's trying to buy the social media platform, someone who definitely doesn't work a four-day week, and that is Elon Musk. He spoke exclusively to Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite, at the Qatar Economic Forum, the Tesla founder joining the event via video conference. Now, the two covered a wide range of topics in their conversation, including Musk's stance on cryptocurrencies, the competition facing Tesla for electric vehicles from traditional car makers like Volkswagen, and how artificial intelligence could be regulated. But the conversation started with a question about his bid to buy Twitter. Here's Elon Musk speaking to John Micklethwaite. There's a limit to what I can say publicly, given that it is um, somewhat of a sensitive matter. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I will have to be measured in my responses here, um, such as not to generate uh, incremental lawsuits. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, that seems to be a risk you sometimes manage to overcome. <laughs> yes, a, a deposition minimization is, uh, I think, important. <laughs> Um, have you but so, have, has, have Twitter given you enough information? Well, there, there are still um, a few unresolved matters. Uh, you've, you've probably read about the, the question as to whether the number of um, fake and spam users on the system is less than 5% as Twitter claims, um, which I think is probably not most people's experience uh, on when using Twitter. Um, so we're still awaiting resolution on that matter, um, and that, that is uh, a very significant matter. Um, so uh, we're, we're awaiting resolution on that. Um, and then, of course, uh, there is the question of uh, will the, uh, the debt portion of the uh, round uh, come together, and then will the shareholders vote in favor? So I think those are the three things that um, uh, stand in the uh, you know, that needs to be resolved before uh, the transaction can complete. What about the general state of the economy? Does that weigh on you when you think about this? I mean, you just described it. You have a super bad feeling about the economy. Are you still in that position? I just said to you earlier, Joe Biden has just come out and said that 
a recession in America is not inevitable. How do you feel about the economy? Well, I think a recession is inevitable at some point. Um, as to whether there is a recession in the near term, um, I think that is more likely than not. Uh, it certainly isn't. A, it's not a certainty, but um, it appears more likely than not. Um, and what do you think? I'm, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's more likely. Can I ask you one yeah. particular thing to do with the Twitter bid, which is, you know, you are one of the biggest and fastest growing um, investors in China. Tesla, you've talked about it being a third of your sales going forward. You're now buying Twitter, the kind of public forum for free speech. The Chinese historically don't tend to be very enthusiastic about free speech. Do, are you worried about whether you can keep those two particular horses running? Is, is buying Twitter going to get you in trouble with the Chinese? Well, uh, Twitter does not uh, operate in China. Yes. So, um, and I think uh, China does not uh, attempt to interfere, interfere with the uh, free speech of the, of the press in the U.S. Uh, as, as far as I know, because I, I, I assume you're not under pressure to at Bloomberg to uh, from China. So I think there's. Um, I don't think this is going to be an issue. And in terms generally of that issue of freedom of speech and Twitter, you've talked about Twitter being making it even freer and letting more people onto it. Um, is there a limit yeah. at all to, to who you think should be allowed onto Twitter? Well, I, I, my aspiration for Twitter or in general for the digital town square would be that it is as inclusive uh, in, in the broader sense of the word, as possible, um, that it is, it is an appealing uh, system to use. Um, so, I mean, ideally, I'd like to get like 80% of, let's uh, say, North America and perhaps, I don't know, half the world or something, ultimately, on, on Twitter in, in one form or another. And that, needs, that means it must be something that is appealing to people. It, it obviously cannot be a place where they feel uncomfortable or harassed, um, or they'll simply not use it. So, it, um, and I, I think there's, there's this big difference between freedom of speech and freedom of reach, um, in that one can obviously, let's say in the United States, go in the middle of Times Square and pretty much yell anything you, you want, and you, you know, you'll, you'll annoy the people around you, but, but you're, you're, you're kind of allowed to just sort of yell whatever you want in, in, in you know, a crowded public place, more or less. <laughs> uh, apart from this is this is a robbery, probably that would get you in trouble. Um, so, uh, but but then that that whatever you say, however controversial, does not need to then be broadcast to the whole country. So, I think generally the approach of Twitter should be to uh, let people say what they want to do within the bounds of the law, um, but then um, limit the you know, who sees that uh, based on uh, the, uh, any given Twitter user's preferences. So if, if your preferences are to see anything uh, or read anything, then, well, you'll get that. And if, But if your preferences are, well, you, you prefer not to see, uh, you know, comments that you find offensive in one form or another, then you, you, you can have that as a setting and not see it. And... 
but I think one way or another, it, one needs to take the steps that uh, and a, that, that entice most people to, to want to be on Twitter and enjoy it and find it uh, informative and entertaining and funny, you know, and just something and, and useful, uh, as useful as possible. It sounds like you want to be involved. Is your plan to be CEO of Twitter? And if you do that, would you still keep being CEO of Tesla and SpaceX? Um, well, I, I would drive the product, um, which is what I do at SpaceX and, and Tesla. Um, so I drive the product and technology. Uh, whether, I'm that, that, whether I'm called the CEO or something else is much less important than my ability to drive the product in the right direction. Can you, can, you, can you set the record straight on one thing, which is this issue about the layoffs? I think you said initially that Tesla, 10% of the workforce would be cut, then 10% of salaried would be cut, then salaried would stay flat and overall headcount would go up. What, what, what is the number? I know there's already, I think, been a, a lawsuit about the 10%. Is, is 10% the goal to reduce the workforce? Or what is the number that we should think about or that you're planning Yes. Uh, so Tesla is reducing the salaried workforce by roughly 10% um, over the next probably three months or so. Um, the, uh, we expect to grow our, our um, hourly workforce. Uh, it's quite clear that we expect to grow our, our, our hourly workforce. Um, but we, uh, we grew very fast with, on, the, on the salaried side. Um, and we grew a little too fast in some areas, and so it requires a reduction in the salaried workforce. And we're about two-thirds uh, hourly and one-third salary. So I guess technically a 10% reduction in the salaried workforce is only roughly a 3 3.5% reduction in total headcount. Um, now, I think that number is important legally, isn't it? Because I think people are trying to say... If, you, if you're going to lay off 10% of your workforce, you have, even in America, to make an announcement about that. We did make an announcement. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. Um, let, let's not read too much into a, a preemptive law, lawsuit that has no standing. Um, that, 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 that is a, a small lawsuit of minor consequence. That just anything that related to Tesla gets big headlines, but it is whether it, it is... Um, you know, a, a bicycle accident or something much more serious. Uh, it's still, it, it, it seems like anything related to Tesla gets a lot of clicks, whether for, whether it is trivial or significant. Uh, I would put that uh, lawsuit referring to in the trivial category. Um, so uh, a year from now, I think our headcount will be higher in both uh, salaried and obviously in hourly. Um, but in the short term of the next few months, uh, we expect to see, like I said, roughly a 10% reduction in uh, salary work, salaried workforce, which is actually just really only a 3 3.5% reduction in total headcount and uh, not uh, super material. Should we jump to that, la that, that third Elon Musk, the, uh, the uncontroversial one in politics? Uh, you, you've indicated that the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, is someone you could get behind if he ran for president. I wondered if you're still in that position and whether you would, for instance, think about supporting Donald Trump if he were to run. Well, I was simply asked um, 
if there was um if, if i had decided on on who i would be supporting in the next presidential race and i said uh, i had not decided uh who i would support then i was asked well who might you be leaning towards i said possibly desantis and now and now i'm asking you about trump whether you would consider him um, I think uh, I'm undecided at this point on that election. I wanted, you, you talked about putting money behind a super moderate super PAC in the US. Yes. And I wondered how much money do you think you're going to put into that? What kind of support would you push? I have not decided on an amount, but it would be some, some non-trivial figure, I think. Um, I mean, at least sort of on the order of... <laughs> non-trivial could mean a lot with you. Yeah. Sorry? Non-trivial could mean a lot of money with you, I, I was guessing. Well, uh, I don't know. I've not decided on the exact amount, but uh, um, perhaps it'd be 20 or $25 million. Just on that issue, I mean, again, you look at DeSantis, what DeSantis says, um, you look at what Trump says, um, and, and those sort of politicians, they, again, are people who make a large noise about China. And I wondered whether you thought that was also an issue for you in terms of business in China. Um, well, no, I don't, I don't think so. You're, you're a brave man. Is, can, I, can I ask you, you over the weekend, you, you tweeted your support of one cryptocurrency. You've seen the kind of carnage that has been happening in cryptocurrencies at the moment. Um, what is happening, and do you still think people should should invest, or is it a more selective approach? Well, I, I have never said that people should invest in crypto. Um, in the case of uh, Tesla, SpaceX, myself, um, uh, you know, we were, uh, the SpaceX and Tesla and myself all did buy some Bitcoin. Um, but it's a small percentage of our total uh, cash and near cash uh, assets. Uh, so, uh, you know, not, not all that significant. Um, I also uh, bought some Dogecoin and Tesla accepts Dogecoin for some um, merchandise and SpaceX will do the same. And, um, and I intend to personally support a Dogecoin because I just know a lot of people who are not that wealthy, who, you know, have encouraged me to buy and support Dogecoin. So I'm responding to the, those people, uh, just people that when I walk around the factory at SpaceX or Tesla, they've asked me to support Dogecoin, so I'm doing so. Because Dogecoin, I think, has come down a lot. It's down about 80, 90 percent, or it's down a lot, and that's the reason why you you came out and said that you still thought there was value there. I said I support Dogecoin, and I'm doing that. Can I ask you one last question? Is I noticed that you, you're going to um, unleash a humanoid robot to be unveiled on September the 30th. Um, I wonder if there's anything more you could tell us about that. Well, I hope that we will have uh, an interesting prototype to show people. Um, the, we have a very talented team at Tesla that I'm working with closely to uh, have uh, a prototype humanoid robot ready by the end of September. And I think we're, we are tracking to that point. 
So that, and there'll be a few other exciting things that we talk about at the Tesla AI day. Um, but I, I really wanna, you know, we have these sort of AI day um, events to just emphasize that Tesla is a lot more than a car company and that we are, in my view, the, the leading real world AI company in, yeah, that exists. Were you, were you, did you see at all the, the drama about the, um, the, 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 at Google where tweet, where people, at least one engineer, thought that what was happening in terms of their AI machinery was closer to human thought than had been seen before and quite worrying, had a personality. Is that something that you think about at all and, or you worry about? Um, I, think, I think we should be concerned about uh, AI and, and I said for a long time that I think there, should, there ought to be an, an AI regulatory agency that oversees um, artificial intelligence uh, for the public good. Um, and I think uh, just as there's anything that, for anything that where there is a risk to the public, whether that's a the Food and Drug Administration or Federal Aviation Administration, Federal Communications Commission, uh, where, where there is a public uh, risk or, or public good at stake, uh, there, 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 it's good to have sort of a, a government referee um, and a regulatory body. And I think we should have that for AI and we don't currently and um, that would be our, my recommendation. That was Elon Musk speaking to Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Mickelthwaite, at the Qatar Economic Forum. Well, that's it for today's show. Tomorrow, we'll be back discussing politics and we'll bring you the results of those by-elections in Tiverton and Honiton and in Wakefield. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.